to the Mojo Makers podcast where we discover inspiring stories of small businesses from all over India stories of hustle struggles failures aha moments and successes you must have heard of that phrase jack of all trades master of none but what if we told you you could become a master of at least a few of the trades that you picked up that you could continuously fail doing things you loved and found exciting and became a huge snowball of learning you could become a jack of all trades and a master of few we know a jack like that and today we'd like to introduce you to this powerhouse arvind sundar is so many things he's a podcaster a customer experience hacker a paddy certified scuba diver a recognized toastmaster a marketing guy and a dad today arvind runs put the player first a people engagement and training company where he uses gamification and storytelling to help companies build an effective smooth culture built on transparent communication and interpersonal skills he also runs a podcast the arvind sundar show where he discusses unique concepts about humanity and their invention he basically geeks out with fascinating people about interesting topics a serial entrepreneur by nature arvind always knew he was good at talking to people and teaching people in his multiple dabblings as founder or co-founder he figured out this amazing concept of failing forward a concept that is bound to make you feel a little no a lot better about the times you weren't able to achieve something so arvind correct me if i'm wrong while you've been a marketing person for the most of your life you've also always been doing something of your own uh, your linkedin profile says you've been self employed or a founder at, at least 3 times Mm-hmm. So can you please take us through your entrepreneurial journey? Okay. Uh it first started off in uh 2006 when I started this thing called Campus Gurus mm-hmm. where in final year because I used to win all of these uh, best management competitions right so where mm-hmm. they would have the stress interview and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh I think I must have made like about 40 grand in college just doing that. Wow. So I can teach other people about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I started this trading company back then where I was trying to train students for placements. Mm-hmm. Now mind you I was a chemical engineer and I barely survived mathematics mm-hmm. but this this whole speech <laughs> Okay. All of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I I flunked first year mathematics as well, mm-hmm. so I had to repeat that uh, calculus. You know, never could get my head around it. Anyway, uh, that happened, and then uh, that didn't work out too well because obviously I didn't understand business. Um, then I joined IT, and I was like, hey, you know, there's a lot more money to be made here. So then, mm-hmm. uh, while I was working in IT as a developer, I also became uh, an Apple software trainer. So you know, that means that I would teach mm-hmm. people how to use iMovie, GarageBand, mm-hmm. and you know, Pages and Keynote and numbers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That wasn't fun. So then I switched <laughs> to social media training, and then a whole bunch of things have happened. Uh, my first real real business if you want to call it was actually with my friend Nanda Kishore right so we ran this thing called uh, fluid fire creatives mm-hmm. now trust me neither one of us uh, knew anything about business mm-hmm. but the first thing we did was we got printed uh, you know we designed these uh, you know with obviously uh, with like bootlegged photoshop right we would design <laughs> this uh, visiting cards and you know <laughs> it was like the dumbest thing but we would go to landmark like mm-hmm. bookstores before flipkart and amazon yeah, 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 thing yep. and we would hide these inside like business books right it wow. was weird we would have pockets full of these cards and then we would hide there and from there i think we actually got like some two or three people inquiring about this and uh, people from landmark called us and told us please don't ever enter our shop again yeah so, i was going to come to that like <laughs> didn't you ever get caught 
course, so many times. And uh, yeah, so, I, but it did happen, right? Again, like I said, we had like no clue about business. And then after that, one thing led to another. And I finally started my first uh, real business with my friend Nanda. Uh, again, even though we did this whole, you know, shenanigans with Landmark and stuff mm-hmm. like that, we, that's when I learned about stuff like advertising and creative and copy and all that. I gravitated a lot between jobs, but every time it, I was like this weird sticky ball of fevicol, if you want to think of it like that, right? I, I would do something and I acquire these skills and then I would roll it forward into another venture or another attempt. It just it just kept on happening. And uh, one of the first uh, successful ventures, you could say, was this company called Grok Communications. Mm-hmm. I started with my friend uh, Kudu. And uh, together, we launched India's first storytelling agency. Mm-hmm. See, Kudu and I, uh, this is a real story, by the way. Kudu <clears throat> and I, we met in the uh, washroom of Ogilvy and Metha. We both started on pretty much the same day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, he was washing hands and I was also washing hands. And then we were like, yeah. You know, we just said hi. It was like the weirdest moment <laughs> ever. But I, we've, been, we've been like best friends since then, right? So it was, it was a crazy thing. <laughs> he was in servicing. I was doing content and tech at uh, Ogilvy. And after that, uh, you know, one thing led to another. We started off our own agency. And once again, it's this dumb thing about agencies, right? And I'm very, very proud to say it because I experienced that after I actually launched my own agency, but not mm-hmm. while I was in it. Mm-hmm. In the, we obsess about awards and branding and you know, all sorts of crap like that. This was at least, you know, back when I was there. Mm-hmm. But once you come out of it and once you actually become like this entrepreneur business, you know how much uh, that stuff is all superficial, right? Because yeah. from moving from an agency into an actual entrepreneurial role, you realize that branding is all really good. You know, this, this creative, it looks really good. But how do you translate that to business money. results? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. And I was too dumb at that time. I didn't know this. And Kudu and I, you know, we tried, we tried, but we went through this horrific experience where, you know, we we're like, screw it. Cash flow got screwed. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was such a bad situation where I think I still remember that, right? We were in Indranagar, we had this fancy ass office and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, everybody had like an iMac and we were dumb. Okay. We were really, really dumb and anything but frugal. And pretty much within like 10 months, uh, we were in a very, very difficult situation. And uh, what I managed to do was uh, speak to each and every one of the like 10, 11 clients that we had. And uh, every single person who was working for me back then, mm-hmm. I got them placed in, like, I made sure each and every one of them had a job mm-hmm. from the guy who was like, you know, making the videos to the the ad the art director and and the copy guys everyone each right. and every single one of them but that was definitely a very very valuable experience and you know that's when that Anderson Horowitz book the hard thing about hard things mm. I read that and I still remember there was this very very fancy ass uh, beanbag over there I was sitting there I was just like crying it was like at the night 9 30 11 or something and I'm like holy shit I got to do this and you know that's yeah. when all started. Luckily, uh, we also got, uh, majority of us got like, you could say acquired or placed at least, whatever you want to call it, right? Uh, I got a good yeah. break. I got mm-hmm. into Jigsaw Academy. Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, I moved on, I think it was in April, right? So I started this thing called Put the Player First. Mm-hmm. And I was also doing this other one called The Way of the Octopus. Mm. Uh, again, funny names, but they also have a lot of meaning. Yeah. Uh, put, the, uh, put the Player First, I'll come to that later. But The Way of the Octopus, again, comes from my own personal experience of of uh, being an employee. Mm-hmm. And when I realized, right, like, like you know, that, that mind shift that is the mind shift that I spoke about mm-hmm. from being an advertising person to a business owner, right? Uh, that mind shift gave me this, this insight or epiphany, you could call it mm-hmm. that we can't afford to be like a one trick pony, right? Like mm-hmm. a specialist. I mean, that's my very, very strong personal opinion. Mm-hmm. So under a number of different brands, I tested out a ton of material, right? I tested out how, you know, you can do marketing better. How do you do personal branding better? And all of
of that. And it culminated in this thing called the way of the octopus, where mm. we try to, you know, train people uh, on how to become like a pie shaped individual, right? So yeah. it's not just one expertise, but then you have at least two strong areas of uh, depth and like a broad uh, area of understanding so that you can draw ideas from different places. Yeah, That went well. But again, in I think March or April, yeah, I think it was, it was early March. I had a falling out with those guys because uh, unfortunately, uh, due to my commitments, right? Like financial commitments mm-hmm. and the way COVID was going, mm-hmm. I could not uh, sustain that, right? Uh, I yeah. needed a regular income and we parted ways mostly amicably, but then put the player first, the training thing, mm-hmm. uh, that's been going like really, really well. But this time it's like a higher when it hurts kind of a philosophy. So Wow, this is such a great journey, uh, Arvind. I mm-hmm. think, uh, you know, it's most part of being an entrepreneur is about these highs and lows and mm-hmm. how you write them, right? And since you said that in March, you had a low time. Mm-hmm. That actually brings me to my next question. You know, you've—I uh, feel you've been a multipreneur for a very for the longest period of time. And that's the first time I've heard that. What does that mean? <laughs> it means you've you've started and shut down multiple times, right? Oh yeah, uh, right? three times. So yeah, three <laughs> times. So you've pivoted also. So I had in to. The current, yeah. In the current scenario, so many businesses have been affected by COVID, and the most resilient ones have either stood by the storm or pivoted to adapt. So mm-hmm. how do you think these business pivots should work? I mean, it would be great to get some insights about pivoting a business from you because you've already yeah. done that a couple, uh, like three times. So just to give you an example, not, not an example, rather a clarification, it's not the business that's pivoted by three times, but it's the entity, if you will, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But like I was saying before, um, again, story time. Back when I was a kid, there was this uh, cartoon series called Captain Simeon and the Space Monkeys. Okay. All right. And in that, there was one particular episode called Monkey Puzzle Man. All right. Uh, if you go search on Wikipedia, Monkey Puzzle Man turns out to be some sort of a guy who brought in the monkey puzzle tree to some place. Okay. I don't remember the name. But in that episode, what would happen was this this villain, right? This pirate, space pirate, who's a monkey, whenever he shook hands with someone, he could kind of absorb their power. Okay. And then essentially he, he goes around and then this Captain Simeon, right? Like the protagonist and his crew, each one has their own unique ability or superpower, if you will, right? By the end of this episode, he was like shaking hands with everyone. And, uh, you know, he gets like the spider monkey's tail, the orangutan's uh, brains, the gorilla's bronze and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he becomes like, I mean, of course, in the, in, the, in, the, in the cartoon, it ends up in a different way. But for me, I was like, dude, this is so awesome. And then that mm-hmm. concept where this, this, this guy is absorbing stuff from everywhere and then becoming more powerful. It came up <laughs> again in another cartoon series called SWAT Cats. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. If yep, case, yeah. Yeah. I you was have, a right? part of 90s kid. Yeah. Alive. Awesome. <laughs> so T-Bone and Razor, what they're doing is they're fighting this metallic cats, but the metallic cats get corrupt yeah. and uh, corrupted and absorbed into this orb, which like, you know, which, which is absorbing cars and tanks and trucks and all of that. It's becoming like the super duper awesome thing. Mm-hmm. And that thing like really, really uh, impressed upon me. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I grew up a little bit, not too much. Um, and then what happened was I found this guy, uh, Hunter S. Thompson. Mm-hmm. He's got this really famous uh, quote about life, right? Where the gist of the quote is, it's the point is not that you know, you want to arrive safely in a pretty and well, dis- well, but you want to be like completely used up and say, oh my mm. God, what a ride. So I, I put these two things together. And then what I realized, right, uh, I think the best way to describe a pivot would be to fail forward. Yeah. So 
if, if you have to, again, like come in terms of um, how do you actually pivot? It's like, you see where you're going and you want to kind of like use that momentum to bounce off that idea into something else. Yeah. Right? What many people do is they go down, let's say in, 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 in a Northern direction. Okay. Just, just for visualization in, in a Northern direction. Mm-hmm. And then when something like does not work their way, they're like, you know what, screw it. I'm going to go South. I would say instead of that, go North, Northeast. Right. Mm-hmm. So you like kind of like bouncing off, but you're still going that same general direction. So think of it like funnel of sorts, you know, you're really, uh-huh. really broad, but then you're like kind of like narrowing down on what you want to do. And the moment, like, you know, I, I hear stories of, Hey, these guys are like phenomenal geniuses who found out exactly what they wanted to do. I'm like, kudos. Right. That's amazing. Right. But I, I'm not one of those guys. Right. I've, I've taken a whole bunch of knocks yeah. and presumably knowing myself, I'm probably going to be doing this. So for, for a long, long, long time to come. And I think that's how a pivot should be. You build off the momentum that you have acquired. That's mm-hmm. number one. Mm-hmm. And you take whatever you have acquired, right? The knowledge, the skill set, the assets, and then you roll it into the next one, right? And eventually over time, some of the things will not be relevant anymore. Right. But you would have a much better idea of which right. I believe that is a phenomenally important thing when it comes to pivoting. That's and my thing. Th- those are some great insights. I'm like taking notes even for myself uh, <laughs> at some point, but I'm sure like our listeners will really find this really insightful. Mm-hmm. Um, so Arvind, how did you decide that put the player first is going to be a thing is it like a so now I know that you know when I was putting together these questions this was a question for me like is it a passion project but now that you've actually clarified that it was like just bouncing off ideas that you were already building so mm-hmm. um, what is the business model of put the player first uh, before uh, I, I dive into that I just want to set some context in terms yeah. of uh, put the player first is perhaps an overarching ideology that's mm-hmm. come to light by virtue of bouncing around so much mm-hmm. I mean if you look at my wake you know the stuff that I have hopefully uh, successfully hidden from from social media, but it's not necessarily the case. I, I still remember. I'm just going to rattle off a couple of brand names of all the projects that I have attempted, right? Sure. Fluid Fire Creatives, Human yeah. Talk, Kudumi.com, Two Minute Reads, Call Me Gundu. And then what else did I have? I had Domination Labs. I have Way of the Octopus. I had mm-hmm. Gentle Bamboo. I had Octolites. I had uh, ArvindSundar.com. I had Polyloka. I had Video Game Wisdom. So that's like at least, at least what, 12, 15 different projects since 2015 in the past uh, six, seven mm-hmm. years or so. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what that translates to is not, like so many weekends, so many late nights, so many times that I, I got married in 2010. Mm-hmm. And uh, even now my wife is like, okay, so what's your latest project? Right. <laughs> but, but there is, there's is a reason behind this, right? So you try something, you explore it. And once you have gotten that gist of it, you know, then you, I, that, that's how I'm working, right? I get the gist of it. And then I'm going to be packaging that into something else. Right. Good now job. put the player first is a methodology that I've designed where it's mainly focused on experience design, right. On how you can take, an experience to go from satisfactory to satisfying. Mm -hmm. It's a small difference. It is wordplay, but it's simply that I'm using techniques of games and game design Mm -hmm. into making other experiences better. So it could be like in terms of apps, it could be in terms of training, it could be in terms of uh, let's say you're building out a certain like 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 an actual museum or something, right? You could do that. If you want to build out an e-commerce platform, Mm -hmm. if you wanted to build out a situation, you know, like, like 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 an education platform, an LMS or an app, any of these things right? It's there. And this is essentially like looking at stuff that I have learned in the past, which is psychology and video games and game design. And that's just one angle, right? And then adding that with another stuff like of tech and uh, marketing and apps and all of these things mixed together, they give me put the player first. Now, if you're looking at it in terms of business models, uh, 
Right now, there are literally two things that I do. One is I train people uh, using these training sessions and these workshops that I do. I use a lot of gamification techniques, right? Mm -hmm. I use stuff such as countdowns and timers and basically anything that you can make an experience fun, right? Right. That is just the beginning. I'm really, really fascinated by jargons like this, you know, like Mm -hmm. gamification. It's been in the market for a bit, Mm -hmm. uh, for a while now. Uh, So can you explain how, what gamification really is and how it can help businesses reach their true potential? Absolutely. Gamification is essentially using stuff from games, like elements of games, such as stories, uh, mechanics, the way games actually work, Mm -hmm. things that you can see in games, things that you can do in games, and you put them in a non-game context. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example. My earliest gamification thing was in 2011 when mm-hmm. I was doing something with IBM and Ogilvy, right? Mm-hmm. Something as simple as filling out timesheets was an absolute headache, right? Absolutely. Because Ogilvy would bill clients on the basis of time spent on these things. Mm-hmm. Now, what would happen was uh, most people would just like scurry to fill out timesheets, you know, when it was like time to uh, fill it up at the end of the month or something. Mm-hmm. And that was not a good thing. So what we intended, uh, what we ended up doing was a small, simple uh, gamified system where, you know, you accumulate points on the basis of actions that you take. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you get like a reward at the end of it. That's mm-hmm. gamification at the slowest thing, right? At the, at the lowest level. Mm-hmm. But there are additional and more advanced techniques. And there are a couple of pioneers. There's a Taiwanese American entrepreneur by name of Yu Kai Chao. Mm-hmm. And um, he is uh, pretty much written like the most popular framework in gamification known as the Octalysis framework. And it talks about different ways that you can motivate. At the end of the day, what games do is they enable us to immerse ourselves in whatever that's happening. And they do this by pulling on different levers that we have. It could be in terms of the experience itself, like how nice does it feel? How does the audio look? How does the video look? Mm. What is the story that's going on? That's one part of games. Mm. Another part of games is how do you motivate people, right? Do you want to give them rewards? Do you want to punish them? Do you want to make them aligned with a greater cause that you have. Mm -hmm. There are different motivational techniques that you can use to get people to take action. Mm -hmm. Once you understand this and you apply it in a non-game context, such as an app, you can do things like, hey, uh, how can I get somebody to buy more stuff from my e-commerce store? Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that you could do, and this is something that Amazon does, is you can say maximum of three items per order, right? It is creating an artificial scarcity, but suddenly Mm -hmm. what people are doing is like, oh, I probably just need one water bottle. But then since they're saying it's like, maximum three, I am probably going to just take three. Now, obviously, water bottles, uh, maybe not the right place to use it, but that's called as... uh, No, for sure, yeah. So you could use that, right? So that is another thing. Yeah. Another thing is um, one-time only sale, right? So you you are ready to check out, right? You enter your credit card details, your payment details and all that. And then suddenly there is a pop-up, right? Which says like, hey, uh, you know, you bought this water bottle, but now you can buy this uh, 10 kg pack of protein whey powder. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be here at this insanely discounted price only mm-hmm. once. Mm-hmm. If you click on forward or if you click on no thanks, this will not be there anymore. Now suddenly you're applying scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. And a sense of uh, loss. Right. If I don't buy this, this is never going to be coming in again. And then, you know, so you can bump up the cart value, right? Mm. So that's another way you can do it. So that's how, like, there are many, many different ways that you can use. Well, like I said, Yukai Chao, he's one. Uh, there are a whole uh, bunch of, uh, there's a very, very strong and yet growing community of gamification people in the world and in India as well. So basically, if you want to get any particular change in terms of mm. bumping, any, any sort of behavior change that you want to do, gamification is like a fantastic tool for that. Mm, interesting. That's very interesting. And come to think of it, gamification is everywhere, right? Now that now that 
you explain it to me? And I'm like, oh my God, everybody is bombarding gamification at me everywhere. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm basically surrounded by things that motivate me or, you know, push me to uh, either make a purchase or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, either subscribe to something, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think this, this is such a great insight for marketers in general. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just going through your uh, website, right? Put the player mm-hmm. first. And um, I saw a lot of, you know, uh, testimonials from different companies that you train at. Mm-hmm. And I also saw that you put a, a excerpt about the concept. And I got mm-hmm. a feeling that your core concept is based on empathy. Mm-hmm. When you say put the player first, and when you say mm-hmm. that you when you do trainings, you have to think from the people's a point of view who are going to attend that training. So I'm going to pivot a little and going to ask you about uh, how do you think empathy works in workplaces? You know, like, do you think it's an underrated trait? What, what, what's the core concept like? Can I be brutally honest? Yes. All right. As an, as an entrepreneur, I have the freedom and liberty to say this, uh, especially because I'm like a very, very small outfit, right? It's just me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, solopreneur. Yes, enough. yes. My dad's there just on paper, you know, so that I can have a private limited company. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was working and, you know, when I was even doing marketing, right? Mm-hmm. One of the most common things that I have seen in offices is that when people are doing stuff, and, and I see this even when I'm training people now in all different sorts of organizations and in my open workshops, right? People are not concerned necessarily of the end user, okay? Mm-hmm. There are two main goals that come up. One, does this make me look good? And two, will this make my boss like me more? Okay, no matter how much we try to hide it, no matter how much we try to bury it, what happens is that's that's like pretty much their front and center on top of our minds, right? No matter how much, like companies, they spend like a ton of money just trying to offset this problem. But internally, that's how people are wired, right? And, and I see this and I, in fact, I consciously use this as one of my business development techniques, right? Mm-hmm. I create stuff that my clients can go and show to their bosses and make themselves look good. And as a result of that, I get business. Mm-hmm. Is this manipulative? I don't think so. I feel that it's just a way for me to get business. And if this is what we have to do, that's what I have to do. In this way, right? I'm doing the work for them and it's a win-win-win situation. Plus I get paid and I have a three-year-old baby girl that I want to take care of. Now, beyond that, often when we talk about empathy, we, we put it off in like, you know, very, very soft, uh, new agey, very, very fluffy concepts. Like, oh, you have to be kind. You have to be caring. Mm-hmm. But at, at, at the essence of empathy lies the fact that treat others the way you like to be treated, right? It's, it's that simple rule. It's that golden rule that I learned in my first job at Tesco, but it's as simple as that. You want to be in a situation where you understand how the other person's thinking, right? You want to be able to grok them. And that's why my previous company was also called grok. Mm-hmm. The idea is that to grok someone means to know them completely inside mm-hmm. and out. And I got that word from this book by Robert A. Heinlein, mm-hmm. A Stranger in a Strange Land, mm-hmm. uh, where a Martian comes in and he tries to grok humans, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the essence of it, when it comes to empathy, right? So this is it. You have to understand how the other person's thinking and you have to act accordingly. Now, it's not good. It's not bad. It's not a, it doesn't have a morality as such. Empathy is the sensible thing to do. It's the profitable thing to do. And mm-hmm. it is also the nice thing to do, right? When you understand where, where somebody else is coming from, it makes your life so much easier. First, it makes you more loved. Two, you're more likely to get the kind of results that you want. Mm-hmm. And three, 
it's not so difficult, you know, it's right. like, how do I say this? Um, in gaming circles, we have a, an acronym, D-B-A-D, D-B-A-D. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't be a, and then, you know, the D can be filled in with a number of uh, expletives. Yep. Yep. Yeah. But I'm not going to go into that because we're yeah, going to sure, try sure. to keep it clean. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? I mean, as long as you can do that, as long as you get the other person where they're coming from, mm-hmm. it makes your life so much better. And it's the right thing to do. In the workplace, it's even more critical. Absolutely. Think about it. You have like a 360 degree approach, right? Uh, 360 degree environment. You have people above you that you report to. You have people below you who report to you and you have your peers. Mm-hmm. If you just spend like a minute just thinking about, hey, what is it that they want? Mm-hmm. Or what is it that, you know, they could benefit from? And that would really, really help you get so much of obstacles out of the way. Absolutely. And, and-, and I think this can translate to businesses, business owners thinking about their customers too, right? Mm-hmm. They can just empathize with the customer's pain points mm-hmm. and really build products or services for Absolutely. customers, uh, keeping in mind that this is the pain point that I'm solving. Like you rightly mentioned, right? Empathy is the profitable thing to do. It's a great insight yes. to take away from Absolutely. It. And there are very easy ways to do it, right? And I can share two techniques right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One's called parroting and the other one's called empty the cup. Parroting. Parroting, Like a a parrot. Like a parrot. So Uh you know what a parrot does, right? Usually repeats what what you say. Could be a parakeet. I I don't know the right thing, but it's that green bird with a red beak that repeats what you're saying. Okay. I'm going to call it a parrot. Mm -hmm. Now, here's what you do. When someone's talking to you, and by you, I mean you, the listener, not just you, Rapti. Sure, sure. (laughs) What you do is you you, you you just shut up and you listen, right? You Mm -hmm. you You just keep on listening, but you're listening with the intent to internalize. Okay. And after the other person's done talking, you just go back and say, hey, so if I've understood you correctly, what you're trying to say is blah, 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 blah. And what you want to do is you want to say what the other person has said, mm-hmm. but in your own words. Mm-hmm. You don't want to repeat mm-hmm. their words. You want to say it in your own words to demonstrate that one, you've been listening. Two, you've understood. And three, get an opportunity to plug any gaps that come up. Great. Okay? Yeah, yeah. That's a phenomenally easy thing to do. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, empty the cup, was something that I learned from my mentor, Otto, from Toastmasters. And what happened was he told me that everybody has a cup, uh, you know, a cup full of coffee. And you're mm-hmm. coming trying to serve them tea. Mm-hmm. Until they empty that cup of coffee, they have no space for your tea. Absolutely. What you want to do is you want to help. That's a great analogy. Yeah. I'm like, dude, that is so that is awesome. That's a great analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, he's somebody I really, really look up to. And I, I'm... I'm like one of the luckiest guys to have been mentored by him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's even written a book about the Bhagavad Gita also. And he has like a ton of... Yeah, lessons. it has a very spiritual... It has spiritual it does. <laughs> to this particular concept. It does. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and he says like the way to empty the cup is to let them talk first. And you mm-hmm. just listen. Mm-hmm. And while they're just pouring the cup out, right? It's creating more mental space for your message, for your ideas, for your suggestions to take root. Absolutely. So two Absolutely. simple ways you can boost up empathy. Right, that's great. How and where can people reach out to you for training services, gamification advice, and other banter? Put the playerfirst.com is my professional thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can be found by Googling for Arvind Sundar. Right. I've been waiting for years to say that. <laughs> Google my name, Arvind Sundar. Makes me yeah. feel like James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> And Come Arvind, on. I want to end this on just one question. What is the sure. one advice you would like to give your younger self? Don't stress eat. Stress eat? Yeah, don't do that. That's like a nasty drug. It never goes away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and on that fit note, we end today's episode of Mojo Makers. Some key takeaways from today's power-packed and super entertaining conversation could be that the best way to pivot is to fail forward. 
go north, bounce off the same ideas and keep it relevant. The other thing that I really learned was, you know, treat others the way you want to be treated. Get to know your customers completely and that empathy is the profitable thing to do. Thank you for being a part of the podcast, Arvind. You truly put the mojo in its mojo. And a big thank you to all our listeners for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode.